Welcome to the Mailer Campbell podcast. This is our series of discussions and interviews designed to provide coaches with inspiring learning content. My name is Debbie Aurelius, and in this episode, I was really lucky to have some time with Liz Gooster. Liz is a member of the Mailer Campbell faculty, and she's also had some interesting career changes. I think that's put her in a really good position for the type of coaching she specialises in. So Liz particularly is interested in working with people who are at a crossroads in their career and dealing with some major life decisions. This is a really interesting conversation about coaching people through those sorts of transitions. So let's get into the podcast. I'm really delighted to be speaking with Liz today. So Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Oh, pleasure, thank you. Liz has gained a first from Cambridge and a PhD, and she spent over 15 years in the publishing industry. So she worked on the Financial Times list for Pearson and for Kogan Page. Um, Liz has now become a coach and she's a partner in the Alliance Coaching Partnership and a Mailer Campbell faculty member. So I know Liz thrives on change herself and her aim is to help others to change for the better. So she brings a real positive energy to her work and particularly likes to work with people who are at a crossroads, which you can find quite transformational. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also happen to know that Liz is mum to a 20-month-old daughter, so she's really passionate about maternity coaching and supporting professional women too. So I'd love to know, Liz, what is it that makes you so passionate about career coaching? I think what makes me so passionate about it is it does feel such a meaningful and important thing for people. So I think what what I what I'm really drawn to is that impact that it can have on people's lives. It feels like we're doing important work together if, if I'm doing a kind of career coaching assignment with someone. I, I would say that I don't necessarily call it career coaching. Okay. Um, so I think for me a lot of the energy comes from the concept of change. As you mentioned I, I quite like that kind of thread of, of, of change and it also sometimes feels a lot bigger than just career. So I do like the, the idea of transition. A lot of energy I think comes from, from that concept of transition. I also like the idea of someone being at a crossroads mm-hmm. and, and it can be, I think the catalyst can be a kind of career transition or a, a, a doubt about a career or a question about a career but I think sometimes it goes so much more broad and so much deeper that I think that's that's where it, it I guess my passion picks up on the, the, the commitment that the client has because once we start getting into it it's clear this is something so significant for them and it just feels it just feels great to be working alongside someone in that in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really interesting point, actually. So how did you get interested in that kind of transitional phase and sort of coaching people at a crossroads? That's a really great question, Debbie, because actually, until quite relatively recently, I actually thought career coaching wasn't something I knew anything about. And I certainly <laughs> didn't think that I did it at all. And we, we cover it in the Mastered Programme. We kind of touch on it towards the, the end. I've always loved the book that we recommend to coaches, um, which is Working Identity by Aminia Ibarra. Um, I wrote a blog post on it, a review of it on my blog, quite a, quite a number of years back. I recommend it loads to people. But I didn't really give that any significance in my, in my mind. Then, then I've sort of had quite a lot of telephone tutorials with syndicate members and with their practice client work, career topics often come up. Right. So I've had quite a number of discussions over the years with coaches in training 
saying, I've got this client, what shall I do? And I've always really enjoyed those conversations. And then I suddenly remembered the, the very first paying client I had of my own after I graduated back in 2011 was actually a career coaching assignment. And funnily enough, I actually went back and dug out the document that I'd prepared in, in advance of her assignment. And, and I'd done quite a lot of preparation. And that was a real combination of, she was um, a former project and programme manager, so she really wanted a lot of structure. Right. And I guess I was a beginning coach and really kind of wanted to make sure I was professional and credible and prepared. So I pulled, I rummaged around for, the, for this document to, to share with some of my um, syndicate members. And I looked at it and I thought, do you know what, this is really interesting. I'm actually quite mm. proud of this. And then I thought, it, it just kind of went from there. I think I just kind of retrospectively thought, do you know what, that client and that client. So it just actually emerged that there'd been a thread that perhaps I hadn't really recognised in, in my work that's been going on for quite a while yeah. um, in terms of this coaching at the crossroads and some of the assignments that really kind of gave me a bit of a buzz thinking about them as well and remembering them. So that's what made me think, oh, actually, this is a bit of an area for me that's, that's a bit of a, um, yeah, a bit of a niche yeah, absolutely. And I guess it sort of really sparked your enthusiasm mm, to, definitely. to talk to people at that point. Yeah, excellent. So how different is that type of coaching? So career coaching, coaching at a crossroads. How different is that from the business coaching that you'd been trained for? You know, I love that question because I've come to the conclusion that it's not different at all. Right. And that's, I guess, cutting a long story short because... The, that was a bit of a breakthrough insight for me because I think up until then I'd been carrying it in my mind as something quite separate. And I and my assumptions had been that to be a career coach you had to be specially trained somehow and that you would be like a careers advisor. Um, <laughs> and you're laughing, Debbie, and you're probably remembering some of the, 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 the either experience you've had yourself or some of the stories we hear about careers advising that we get at school or at university. And, and it's never told in a good way, is it? It's always no. about, you know, <laughs> terrible advice that people were given. Um, but I still had it in my mind that, that you needed this expertise in careers, this, this deep knowledge so that you could advise and guide people. And actually, when I say it like that, it just sounds ridiculous because that, for me, isn't what coaching would be about. You're telling someone the answer and what, what they should do for their career. Um, but I still kind of hung on to that for a little bit. And then I guess I kind of, and I thought you'd need a special toolkit and, and you know, all of these extra things that, that you would need. And then, really, I just kind of thought it would be an impossible task to keep up with all the careers. And, yeah. and I was thinking all the job titles we've never, we'd never heard of. You, know, you come across things now like chief inspiration officer or conversation architect or scrum master or calypso developer. And I just thought, you know, realistically, who's ever going to be able to keep up with all the amazing new jobs that, and roles that there are out there for, for people coming through the market? Um, and then I was thinking, well, you've got to have been in a recruitment role as a, a headhunter and that deep expertise in knowledge of the employment market. But I guess I've just now completely revised my view. And I think that was partly just looking back on some of these assignments that I had and how people had emerged in a completely different place. And we'd been on this journey together and I'd done all that without any of this, what, what I had in my mind, these assumptions right. of this specialist toolkit that you would need. Um, so actually, yeah, to, to answer your question, I, 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 for me, I don't think there is any difference. Um, I know that's probably slightly different from what we might teach on the, the master programme. It might be slightly different to some of the, the, the books out there, but it just feels to me that it's, it's like any other transition, that we're not solving the problem for our clients. We're, we're there alongside them. We're helping them find their own answers. Uh, for me in this area, it's an opportunity for them to 
to look at what's really important to them, what really energises them, what their strengths are, what their values are. A lot of that is what I would do in a lot of other coaching assignments, so I don't really see it as anything different. Yeah, and that's probably a, a message I would have for anyone who's just done the master programme, because that's, that's what I often talk about with my syndicate members, is that I think they have the same response that I did. You know, if someone comes in and they say, I've got this career topic, and you know the panic button is pressed. <laughs> they think I don't have the tools to deal with this, mm. but I think I would argue that that they do, and that we we do as coaches. Yeah. So the the skills that you're taught and that you learn through the program are applicable to those sorts of scenarios equally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how has focus on other people's careers and the way they're considering the crossroads in their sort of lives and careers? How has that informed your own career choices or when you look back at your career how has that informed you and I think there that's again I, it reached a bit of a critical mass for me in in people's reflections back to me when they'd seen my bio sometimes um and saying oh you've done quite a lot of change or, or that that's a little bit unusual and so it gradually came to dawn on me that, that I had perhaps taken a bit of a a slightly unconventional career path and, and I've sort of moved around in different industries I've, I've taken chunks of time out to, to, to travel and, and things like that. So I think it did make me reflect a bit more deeply being in this space, working with people on, on their career. And actually quite a few clients have said that's partly why they'd picked me as their coach, is that they felt oh. that it, it kind of something in, their, in my bio kind of resonated with them. Right. Um, and I think I can empathise with the, the, the transition and that sense of a crossroads. Because I, I quite love being in a, sen- a, a crossroads. And I, and I think that's part of the appeal for me working with, with people in that scenario. But I think also that's what I'm learning about, about myself as well. I mean, I think I've, I've always been in that sort of Peter Pan, you know, don't <laughs> never know what I want to do when I, when I grow up. I still, I still think there's, there's lots of untapped paths from my own crossroads that I might, I might go down. So I think it's just probably made me think about just having that multiple sense of options um, and that there's not necessarily a fixed career path. So I think it's given me a lot more fluidity in relation to my own perception of my own career and just sort of thinking this is, you know, this is what I'm doing and how I'm doing it right now. In the future, there could be lots of other different pathways. And I think I've, I've forgotten who, who, who did the research, but there is research to show that successful people have multiple routes in mind, different pathways to success. So I think that's that's partly what I've got from working with with people because I'm so inspired when they go through different options or different ideas to think once they start opening up the boundaries the potential just seems unlimited and I think I've taken a lot of kind of courage and inspiration from from myself from from that as well so it definitely has had an impact on how I see my own career. Yeah that's so inspirational as well just to give people to broaden their perspective and you know make them feel like they're the limitless opportunities must mm. just be so energising to, to get into those conversations. And I think the energy piece is one of the, the bits that, that is quite pivotal for me. Yes. Because, and I'm thinking about a client I'm working with at the moment, and that, and that was really the, almost the basis of the brief. And it's a beautiful brief because it was a very short um, kind of introduction to an assignment. And it was just someone who's very valued by the organisation feeling a bit demotivated yeah. and I'd said well it, what if, what happens if some of these discussions start talking about a future outside the organization and actually it's a very progressive buyer of the coaching and they said that's fine we, we just want to, to make sure that he's he's okay um, and it's really interesting because 
he reports his energy as being very down and he's feeling a bit, you know, his morale's low. External feedback is great on his performance. So I think that's what's often quite interesting is is where people's energy lies. And and it's not necessarily about leaving a job because you're doing a a poor job of it. You know, his performance is great. His his boss is quite anxious about the prospect of him even thinking about leaving. Mm -hmm. And yet it is just that exploration of could he do his role in a different way that would make it energising for him again? Or does he want to go back to some of the things that he'd kind of thought of as options before he took this job and what is it that's going to really fire him up so it is it is really interesting that I think that energy piece because it's so evident talking with him when he's kind of sort of very analytical and talking about his current role and the energy is quite flat and then he'll talk about some of the things he did in the past where he really enjoyed his roles and he'll just be so much more animated and energized so I think that that kind of how do you help people tap into that energy and 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 once they've got that sense, how you help them create a practical path to make use of it. That's yes. kind of the essence of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get that sense of energy from you too. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> from, from listening to you talk about this sort of work. Do you, do you feel that you seek out opportunities to embrace that kind of crossroads feeling now that you know that's the sort of feeling that energises you? I think you? I am starting to, yes. I find myself, it's, it's talking to it a little bit when people ask me about what kind of clients that I work with. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a slightly interesting area in terms of corporate work, <laughs> as you might imagine, because I mean, the client example I just gave, that's a very progressive organisation and they're very comfortable with the fact that if, if at the end of the day he does decide that his future's not with them, you know, he might leave. But I guess if you think about it that way, it could be quite a hard sell for yeah, some companies. Um, and I know there's outplacement work. I see that as kind of slightly different. That's not something mm. I've, I've kind of tapped into just yet but I've, and I've done quite a lot of this work really with um, individuals so it, the right. drive has come from them they might still be employed um, or they might be sort of in a transitional where they've been made redundant or they've, they've actually already left their job or mm-hmm. relocated or whatever um, but it is interesting the discussions that I've had with corporate buyers because increasingly those that are interested in well-being and also just about making sure that someone's a good fit with the role because if they're not going to be engaged and energized then even if performance is high right now ultimately you know they probably they've yeah. probably got a course to run in in that job so initially I was thinking well this might be not commercially particularly savvy to be <laughs> so passionate about this area um, but then some of the conversations I've had have been quite interesting with with buyers because they're they're quite realistic as well about what, what people might do, right. especially if they've been in the firm a long time, business a long time. Yeah, that sounds very sensible, actually. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'd be interested to know from your experience what tools and approaches from your work would be a good start point for a newly qualified coach so that they can enable their coaches to start to talk about their career path and decisions. Mm. And that's a, that's a really good one and a really practical one as well because I think that's where often people are... Uh, kind of asking for help that's I think when we're right. going back to the the kind of telephone tutorials and things sometimes yeah. people want to know what tools they can use um, so going back to my very first client um, and uh, we'll, we'll call her Jane it's not her real name but it's a it's a good a good one um, and we used all just all the tools that we'd learned on the, the master program I already had them so I didn't use anything different at that point um, we did um, the shines career history and shines career anchors we do that in the programme. People already have a sense whether they like it or not. I know sometimes it's a bit of a, a, a marmite thing. People love it or, or hate it. 
has got a very respected academic mm. footing. It is a little bit dated now, so I know sometimes people don't like the questions so much. What I like about it, I mean, I think it's with any, like any psychometric tool, it's if, it, if you're convinced by it as the coach um, and if it resonates with the client, it can just be a fantastic conversation starter. So I think the Shine's career anchors, for me, it really underlines, it's trying to get at the underlying motivations and values that are important to people. And I like the fact that it, it can be quite liberating for people because it's not assuming that there's a right answer or that okay. you know, there's a path for someone. Mm -hmm. It's not what it, So it's trying to get more at what you want to do rather than what you should do and what's the last thing that you should give up. So for some people, it's the entrepreneurial spirit that's just so close to their heart. For some people, they really cherish that security. And other people, they want to kind of be a, a manager and, and be responsible for a big team. For other people more it's about getting the in-depth expertise so i like the fact it can just draw out some of these buckets really of what is it that's important and it might be a couple but but i think it just starts to help people channel in on on what it is that's important and that could be completely different you know you and i could have different ones yeah absolutely so and that's yeah. fine yeah so so that was one tool the shine uh, shines career anchor nancy klein kind of thinking environment approach i think is great for yeah. so many things and I think with the career and transition and cross, whole crossroads area, just giving people space to think about it. Because this kind of thing can just go round and round. It's like one of those kind of earworms that you get when you've got a song in your head. And, <laughs> and then it's hard to kind of get it to make any sense. You know, there's this maybe a vague sense of dissatisfaction or, you know, just feeling a bit flat or a bit de-energised or unmotivated. So I think sometimes just getting it all out there can be can be quite useful and just being really interested in in where they've come from and, and what they're thinking and, and what they're looking ahead to. Um, so there are a couple of the, the practical ones. The, the big five, I mean, I think one of the things yeah. we emphasise so much in the programme is the big five. And I think we can relate that directly to this area as well. The contracting, I think in this area, I am always quite careful to, 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 to say to people that I'm not going to be a careers advisor. So mm. I think in this particular field, it, it probably is incumbent on us to spend even more time just being clear about what people can expect and that it's not a sort of, as a client, I'll bring you my career problem and, and you will, will solve it and I'll happily go away with a, you know, a nice CV. The listening. So again, as I've mentioned, the Nancy Klein is so valuable, um, that approach. Or it doesn't even have to be Nancy Klein, it's just that coaching informed listening to understand rather than listening to respond the questioning and again just maybe opening up people so they can think about things in a different way so asking them things they hadn't thought about before or or, or kind of just from a different angle and then the non-directive so and, and again I guess that's so far from what my I, previous assumptions of career coaching might have been that you're directing people towards yeah. a career whereas this is what do you think and, and and how might they go about finding out more it's not about me providing them with the answers the fifth one is the grow model and I, I, I sometimes I don't necessarily always use that consciously but I think some of the pieces of that are great particularly maybe the R so the reality mm. and getting people to explore the reality a lot so that's I guess just three of the things that kind of spring to mind from the programme. Strengths as well, that's something we, we touch on. Okay. Um, yeah. That's something I use quite a lot with clients actually. I tend to use the strengths profiler and, and, I, and I have done a, a programme in that, but if you feel confident enough, you don't have to be qualified to, to use the, the strengths profiler tool. I guess the connection for me is it's energy as well. It looks at ability use and whether you're energised or de-energised by doing something. Okay. So for me, that's really useful in this kind of conversation because 
it, it starts to tease out what, what it is that, that you really enjoy as well as what you're good at. And if you think about the, the, the client I mentioned before who's getting really good performance feedback and yet he's still feeling de-energised, it really yes. helps get below the iceberg on, on that sort of level because otherwise you could just stay on the surface of, well, my 360 feedback's been great, boss is really happy with the results and then you're a bit stuck. So I think it can just start to kind of open people's awareness as to how that can be happening. Because that can be quite a sort of anxiety-provoking situation for someone. I mean, sure. Thinking of that client, thinking, well, what, what, what's yeah. wrong with me? Because yeah. everyone else has been doing a great job. Why am I not feeling satisfied? And I think looking at something like the strengths profile can really tap into that. And it just makes sense for people then to think, oh, well, actually, I'm good at it, but it's just quite draining for me. And that's why I'm a bit exhausted at the end of the week, rather than thinking I've done a great, you know, great week's work. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's just so helpful to give people different lens to look through sometimes, isn't it? Definitely, just, you know, definitely. Look on the same problem in a different way. And mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's really interesting because I think you've shared quite a lot of really practical tools there that you know, people could look into and, and you know, pick up and run with. So that's really, really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. So looking back on your own coaching practice, which techniques have you found to be the most effective in this type of work? Some of the things are actually quite simple as well. So I think that's the other message I would have for people is that it, it doesn't have to be a great complicated thing. And I guess this is part of my insight around it's not this massive suitcase like you've got for all your, <laughs> your, your podcasting equipment. You don't need a huge amount of stuff. So one of the things, and actually it is part of the reading in, in the programme, is um, the Jenny Rogers book on, on coaching skills, uh, the lifeline exercise. Yes. And I, I love doing that with, with clients generally, but I think also in this coaching at the crossroads scenario, it can be really insightful. So going through the highs and lows of their career and life so far can really just start teasing out some of the themes. What, what was going on in that high? What, what was it that made it such a, a great time for you? The lows as well, I guess, can be quite informative because I suppose it can show people if they've got into the same pattern. And they can start saying, oh, well, actually, that other low, these are the things that were missing or these are the things that meant I was working against my preferences or against my values. And actually, I can see that's happening here. So that can be, it's, it's a very sort of basic tool in a way, but, but quite kind of rich. And, you know, going with the listening, you know, hand in hand with the listening, because you can just get someone, I usually get them to do it at home beforehand in a relaxed situation. And then they'll talk me through whatever it is they want to bring out in the coaching session and just, you know, we'll just explore that together. So that's yeah. a really, a really basic one, but really, really rich. And then another one, I like Simon Sinek, I think on this, because it links to that idea of working with your values and, and what's your purpose um, for, the, for the role. And he's got a book called Find Your Why. He's got a couple of co-authors on that, I think, but it's really practical, both for the coach and the, and the client can, can read that. And it gives you a, a sort of structure to work through together and the idea is that you come out with a draft purpose statement of why you do something and, and how you do it so it's kind of on that line of the personal brand of what 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 people are about what what's most significant to them what makes them unique and and then you know so it's really about why you do something rather than what you do it or, or what you're doing or how you do it yeah um, okay and that's a really yeah. nice first stage I mean then you can go on to the so how are you going to do this but just to sort of I guess taking it back up to that big picture level before people even get into the idea so actually I mean that's that's making me think just just talking about that there so much of this it never even gets near the kind of 
okay, what do I need on my CV? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It's much more about kind of going a lot further back or a lot kind of higher up in terms of a, a big picture view and really just thinking about what, what's meaningful. So I think that's one of the other sort of things that I've got a lot more clarity on now is that I think probably originally I was thinking it would it'd be the nuts and bolts of applying for a job. And, you know, given that I wasn't a headhunter or anything, you know, I hadn't I mean, I've done interviews, but, but, you know, that wasn't my area of expertise. And, and the work that I'm doing is so much more around what, what's significant for individual people rather than, okay, let's have a look at your CV and yeah. <laughs> let's cross and, this bit out. Yeah, and that sounds so much more powerful anyway, just to be you know, reconnected with what's really important to you, what drives you, what you're interested in. That just gives you such a, a much better start point, I would think, to go away and work on the nuts and bolts mm, for yourself, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I've even sort of found a couple of kind of, career consultants or, or CV coaches and things that people yeah. have, have used to, to do that sort of work. And so I do see that as quite separate, actually. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I like to do with, with clients is a balance wheel, because that's a really quick way of tapping into that instinctive side as well. Because I think with professionals, they're so used to working analytically and in that part of their thinking and their mind. And so I think the, the balance is so it's very subjective and it just gets them to, to score on a scale of 0 to 10 how satisfied they are with different areas of their life. One segment is career, but then there are sort of six or seven other segments. And so I really like get, giving someone that snapshot of their whole, the whole picture. And I think that's what I was saying at the beginning about it being much broader than, than just that one segment because it, it touches on everything else. Um, and just looking at, you know, how do you think of your life so far and some because then sometimes it's not even about the job no someone might start off thinking i'm not happy at work and then when they look at the balance wheel that might actually score a lot more highly than other stuff and it could be that they're worried about their health or their family or that they've got into a situation where they're they don't feel they're learning or growing so that's just a i, I think it's just again a, a beautifully simple but powerful tool for people to to just view their lives. That's really interesting because I guess you know you get used to the habit of focusing on the things you spend the most time on and actually yes. sometimes you just need to focus on the things that you haven't given enough attention to maybe so yeah that makes perfect sense actually. And it can draw the links together as well so I think sometimes if people are a bit stuck about getting reconnected to what really energizes them starting to look at what they're doing in other areas of their life can start to give them a bit of a boost and give them some ideas and some optimism and some some hope and some energy of thinking well actually I do that there how could I do more of that at work and I've had some clients bring in some really unexpected ideas from 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 that so I guess that's part of the O of the options piece of the grow model yes just true. different different strands and I remember working with a lawyer who then revealed that he did kind of restaurant reviews in his spare time. And then it just took him down this whole kind of snowball of creativity about how he was going to deal differently with his team, how he was going to communicate differently. And it just took him so far away from how he often presented that I was just, I was just in awe, really. Amazing. So I think sometimes it can bring out that kind of just different way of thinking and that can just shed a whole new perspective on, on where people are yeah. in work as well. Yeah, brilliant. That sounds really helpful insight to have, yeah. I'd really love to know how you are planning to push the boundaries of your uh, coaching and develop your own skills and reach some more crossroads. Pushing the boundaries of career coaching sounds <laughs> a little bit lofty. I mean, one of the other things that stuck with me recently is that we were at one of the Mayla Campbell faculty meetings. We had a group supervision with Bill Critchley, and I was one of the, the people who brought a case. And one of the pieces of advice really stuck with me 
from Bill because I think it kind of resonates with how I probably approach some of this work anyway, but I think it's quite useful for me to have as a conscious framework. And it was just about divergence and convergence. Okay. And I think that almost for me maps onto if there is a structure for this kind of work in, or this kind of programme is that, that maybe the first half is quite divergent. So that sense of exploration and giving people time to think and open out is almost like the, 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 the cross, the top, the horizontal in a T. Okay. So that's the, the divergent piece and people can kind of roam all over the place. The, one of my current clients describes it as being encouraged to puke all over the walls, <laughs> which is a very <laughs> colourful way of putting it. But I keep saying to him, this is so important, you know, <laughs> this is great, just, just get it all out there. And then maybe the second half might be a bit more convergent on, OK, what are we going to do with all this once we've got a lot of insight into what's really important for that person? What, what does that mean? Because I think that's one of the things I am passionate about in my work is I'm quite action focused as well so I don't want to just do insight and self-awareness just for the sake of it because I want to kind of help people feel equipped to, to make changes and so what do we actually do with this once we've decided you know what's my purpose what's my values what's really significant and important important how do we do something about it so that's kind of the vertical bar of the T yeah. the divergent piece so I really that just really put into to mind a nice framework for me I'd also heard about a training program that I'm really interested in finding out more about and I'm, I'm hoping to do later in the year and it's it it's to train to do an intense day with people and at the end of the day they come out with a kind of vision or strategy for their own I don't know whether it is just career or again if it's more broad kind of life I mean it, it's professional so it starts with career I suspect as with all this stuff it it comes into a kind of holistic picture yes. and that we can't separate necessarily that personal yeah. and professional persona and I love that as well because I think there's one person so that's something I'm really interested in, in exploring and it's it's partly coaching techniques I mean really intense listening and, and helping people with their strengths and partly I think it's some techniques around reflecting back helping articulate what you've heard mm -hmm. so that it helps people pull out the themes as well if, if they're stuck um, and I think it's quite um it's quite intense and I think it's also quite structured. It involves some outside coaching as well. Oh, and, and so I, I'm really interested in just thinking, well, that could be an alternative way of approaching. For instance, the client I'm talking about at the moment, that could have been an alternative for him. We've, we've just kind of mapped this onto a, a structured classic coaching program over six sessions. We're doing them quite close together, but an alternative for him could have been just, let's just take it off site for a day yeah, and right. we'll do this work together and, and see what you emerge with. So that, that's kind of intriguing me. I'm aware there's a little bit of a contradiction in terms of what I said about you don't need any other tools. But I'm happy to have both arguments there that I think you don't need any other tools. I do think some of these tools that are available potentially do bring something extra to the repertoire or additional, you know, to help your clients. And if you're drawn to it as a coach, you know, whatever kind of works for you, it's worth kind of following up. So that's, and I'm always very curious to, to find out new techniques that I can apply so so that's the kind of one that's on my, my horizon yeah at the moment so I, I think you're absolutely right you don't need to have all the sophisticated techniques but actually they're so interesting and yes. they can be so helpful <laughs> yeah I hope you get to do that and, and I'll, let, I'll let you know how it goes yeah please do come back on the podcast and tell us about it when, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you've got some more insight that would be perfect so how do you think attitudes towards career development are sort of changing externally and how has that affected your coaching practice that's a brilliant question, Debbie. And I think that's I think that's what makes it such a fascinating area at mm. the moment because the whole backdrop, I think the whole context for people's career paths has 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 changed over the last 
we might even say, I might say a couple of decades or even last decade. We're all living longer, we're all working longer. Many people go through lots of shifts in their working lives, I think, now. There's lots of evidence to show that, that people coming into the, the job market now will have sort of, I think it's five different careers right. in their lives. But I think even beyond just number of careers, I think we... we starting to see people going through different phases within their working life as well, where they might be employed for some of the time, maybe they'll have their own business for some of the time. They might take quite chunky periods of time out to do some retraining, some learning and development. A bit like we see some of our graduates coming through, they've, they've perhaps taken a, a year out to, to really focus on doing the master's programme. Yeah. People taking time out to travel, time out to care for, for children or, or older parents, because again, people are living longer. Um, and I think in, in this context, the, the book, The Hundred Year Life, made a real impact on me. Um, it was it was co-written by a psychologist and an economist, so really interesting yeah, kind of blended interesting, perspective yeah. there. Because um, often we'll hear about the kind of fact that we're living longer and, and working longer in, in the sort of pensions crisis sense of, you know, you know, none of us will be able to afford to retire and, you know, we'll all we'll be working till our graves. Um, and I think while there is a lot of reality in, in that, I think... The, the, what the book did for me was, was show me that for a certain group of people, and I think probably a lot of the types of people that we might be coaching, there's a lot of opportunity in that, that different nature of the working world. And what they, they sort of overturned is the myth. It's not, well, it, it, I guess it, it has become, it's a traditional model that we are in education, we work, and then we retire. Mm-hmm. And, and that fluidity that, that I've just described around coming in and out of the job market, doing different things, they really describe that very effectively and, and, and also how that can be an opportunity. And also that there are different needs as well that we can't necessarily expect to just go through education, maybe come out of university at 21 and that's it. You know, we're set up for the rest of our lives. And I think, you know, within the Mailer Campbell community, I think people are very aware of that because they've, right. they've obviously retooled themselves as, as coaches apart from anything else. Yes. But I think it, there's a lot of things happening out there for people that they're wanting to, to do something different and not necessarily forever. So I think that there's just sort of lots of need that people might go away and do something and then and then come back and reassess again. And, and I, I find it really exciting. And it's a time that we might need a lot of guidance because it might be something that we're not used to doing. So how do we navigate those transitions? What what will help us? How do we keep in touch with what what we want to do when there are lots of pressures? And, you know, once you're in a career, are you, you know, are you stuck on that career track forever? How can you step outside and, and, and look at look at it objectively and look at it in terms of how it resonates for you, what it means to, to you. So I, I do think the background has shifted, and I think that's made it even more pressing for a lot of people. And I think we're also aware of a lot more possibilities and opportunities yes. than, than we were in the past. And, you know, we've got the kind of... There's always kind of cute little names for it, aren't there? Like the grey gap year and things like that. But it's become a real thing, hasn't it? That, you know, it's not just teenagers or university graduates that want to go travelling. You hear people saying, I want to take a career break or I want to be a digital nomad and and work differently. And and all of these possibilities are out there. I think people are starting to become aware of them. What they're probably less sort of sure of is, is if they could do, if it's right for them and if it is, how they could actually make it happen. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I actually really like the fact that you've described the opportunity that comes along with that, because I, I feel like sometimes people get a bit overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, careers are changing so rapidly now. But that is a great opportunity, right? Because it does give you good impetus to step yeah. out of what you're doing and try something new. Yeah, that's definitely. Fair. And I think it feels less oppressive as well, as well, because I think if we think about working longer and thinking, well, that means I'm going to be in the same job for 60 years, you know, that does, you know, I can feel a kind of weight on my shoulders as I even think about that. Whereas if we think, okay, we might be doing 
five, 10, 15 different things, then there's it's a lot more excitement, isn't there? There's the variety and that adaptability and that sense of, yeah. for me at least, that sense of excitement and opportunity to, to learn and to be doing different things. Yeah, agreed. We mentioned at the start of the podcast that you're mum to a 20-month-old daughter, which is lovely, um, and that you're passionate about supporting women who'd like to return to their professional career after taking a break from maternity. Do you use any specific tools or techniques to support those people, or, or how do you find that that works? Rather than specific tools and techniques, I think I probably approach this with the, the view that this is another crossroads mm -hmm. and another transition for people and quite a transformational one and in a really positive way in a, in a working environment as well and I think that can be a very different way of looking at it because I think sometimes organizations and I think women themselves see it as a kind of this is a tough time to be got through and you know there's a lot of anxiety will she come back there's a lot of anxiety on the part of the the, the woman will I be able to go back right all of that but I think there is because it is such a, a, a sort of transformational time, especially for first-time parents and first-time mums, there is that openness, I think, in the same way that there is of the, with the kind of career coaching, that this is a time to review and reassess. So what I like to do with the maternity coaching support is obviously be there for the, for the, for the woman, but I think also bringing in the organisation, because I think that's what's critical in terms of retention and opening those communication lines getting people to be able to be honest about what the expectations are and, and how to manage both going off on leave, you know, what, what people want to do in terms of keeping in touch, how they, they want to be when they come back. Because I think there can be so many assumptions on both sides. And I think that if you can get that clarity and honesty, it can be really helpful. Because mm. I, I, I've, I've heard women complain about being missed out for opportunities in terms of going to conferences or doing presentations or, you know, work that involves travel. And it can be done with the best of intentions from a manager's perspective that, well, they've got quite a new baby, so we, we don't want to ask them to do it. And for some women, that's absolutely what they want. For others, they're saying, well, I'm being passed over, and actually, yes. you know, I've got a stay-at-home husband, or I've got a nanny, you know, and I really want to go for this. So I think there's a lot of openness and, and sort of getting that out there in terms of organisation. So I think that's very healthy for businesses generally, just to sort of look at different op options. And then I think for the for the women themselves, what I think is really supportive is if, if they can have coaching sessions before they go on leave, while they're on leave, if, if they want to, and then when they come back. Because, I, and it worked for me as well, because well, I, I actually didn't have the, the before I went on maternity leave, but I worked with a maternity coach while I, while I was away. And I found it really helpful just to review, because I think with the best will in the world, not everything's the same mm. as you might expect it to. So I think it's great to have some plans in place, to have started those conversations before before you go off on maternity leave and then give yourself a chance to review and rethink and, and see you know, what's different than you expected, what's the same, what, you know, has anything changed in terms of do you want to go back earlier than you thought, do you want to go back later? And then I think when you're back at work, how to, to kind of make the best landing, how to kind of project you know, your new image, you know, who you are, whether, you, whether you've changed your ambitions, whether you, whether you haven't. Um, you know how to let people know you're back and how to hit the ground running all, all the different things how to manage the, the, the balance and and it's also individual yeah because each person wants something different so it wouldn't be about sort of imposing you know this is how to get you back to where you were before or but it, it, it's just really a, again about that space I think about which is <laughs> yeah I'm laughing to think about it because it's in sh such short supply as a, as, a, as a new parent so I think that, that time mm. is, is such an opportunity if you can if you can sit down 
in the workplace or as part of your return to work and, and really have that time to review your own career. I think it's just so helpful and I just think it's, I think it's the average age now is something like 35 of, of women going on maternity leave in, in profession. So sometimes it's really quite senior and experienced people that are going on leave. So for organisations, it, it's not a kind of softly, sort of fuzzy, make people happy type intervention either. This is, this is about retention and, and, and retaining the value in your company, being able to attract experienced people if, if, if you know, word gets around that people have been treated well and you know, supported through this transformation. So I think it is just one, another one of those crossroads and it needs, I think it needs everyone on board because you could go off in completely different paths. If you come back to work and, and you're unsupported and, and the expectations are that you can't manage or you know, people end up sort of leaving or, or plateauing and not going for roles that actually maybe they could be really well equipped for. But if you have got that support, then people can really, can really flourish. It's sort of one of those sort of stories that you hear that, that working mums are often amongst the most productive people in the workforce because they're yeah, so focused and absolutely. you know they're not chatting and having coffee breaks because they're, they're going to be you know they've got deadlines to do for, for pickups and, and things but that doesn't mean they're leaving the office at 3.30 either they might be going to do a pickup and then doing work in the evening and I just think there's lots of assumptions that I think it's helpful to unpick both for individual women and for organisations because I've heard one that the assumption is that if, if a man is seen to leave the office early, it's assumed he's going to a business meeting. If a woman's seen to leave early, it's assumed she's going to pick up the kids from school. So I think just talking with managers as well in that sort of three-way meeting around, you know, how people might be managing their, their workload. And, and what's to say she isn't going to a client meeting? Mm. But there's a lot of that sort of unconscious bias in the workplace. Yes. So I think anything that can support, support women to, to kind of stick with their careers, if they want to, yeah. And of course, it's all it's all around choice. But I do think it's a, a potential moment of transition and crossroads that if you're given a little bit of space to explore, um, you might come to a different conclusion than, than you might otherwise. Yeah, I think it's spot on what you said about unpacking assumptions on both sides, because you're absolutely right. It's at that point where you have to make decisions. Mm. That's where your assumptions are revealed to you on, because you've kind of been running along for a while, yes. both assuming that this is how you want to do it. But yeah, that's, I think... The, the concept of talking to people before, during and after and both parties in that situation as well, the company and the and the person who's going on maternity leave, that's absolutely key. Probably one of the other similarities with the, the career transition coaching is the sense of identity that's involved and I think that's often what people are thinking about when they're making a big career choice because they might have been in a role for quite a long time that got really tied up with their identity and I think that's that similar sort of attachment when you because you've got the two identities going on in parallel if you when you've become a parent so you you you're, you know there's, there's the stuff about being a new mum but then there's still what you had before as the as the professional and it's sort of finding that new accommodation between them and and also what, yeah what it means and it's also going to change over time so I, I've also heard of some really progressive programs around maternity coaching where there's there's a, a sort of follow-up session maybe a year or even two years down the line to say okay now what do you want to do yeah. because I mean, you know, you might be in a different place immediately after return to, to work, after maternity, and, and later on. So that kind of ongoing shepherding of talent, I guess, and just making sure... And it, and isn't, it isn't just women. I mean, I'm, I'm particularly passionate about 
sort of nurturing female talent and, and people being given an equal opportunity. But I think a lot of these issues are applying to, to fathers as well and, and new right. parents. And we, we hear a lot about the Scandinavian model where yes. parental leave is, is a lot more easily shared and all of that kind of thing. So I think it is part of the general way that we can enable people to, to flourish in the, in the workplace. But I think for, for me, I'm particularly kind of keen to see that, that women don't sort of lose opportunities or, or kind of their potential if, if that's not what they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. It's been really insightful. I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, I hope we'll speak again once you've had an opportunity to do some more learning and you've explored another crossroads. Thank you so much, Debbie, and thank you for inviting me. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Liz for sharing all that insight and that wealth of personal experience today. If you'd like to find out more about Liz or about Mayla Campbell and the Mastered Programme or indeed about coaching people through a transition, then there's a wealth of information waiting for you on the Mayla Campbell website. Just look up maylacampbell.com. I hope that you've learned something from this podcast and if you found it particularly helpful, if you just had a few moments to rate the podcast in whatever platform you managed to find us on, that would be super helpful to us and it would help other people to find our content too. There's plenty more to come in the Mailer Campbell podcast series, so we hope you'll stay tuned and you'll continue to learn from our conversations. Thanks so much for listening.